Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we make families the best they can be. In this series of Figuring Out Families that we are calling The Parenting Sessions, we speak to leading experts to give practical, real-world advice to help you grow healthy, well-balanced children and make your life as a parent or grandparent a little easier. I'm David Ahern. I hope you enjoy. I'm talking once again to Rachel Schofield, a parent coach, professional member of the Australian Association of Family Therapists and mother of two. In past podcasts, we've talked about sibling friendships, sibling struggles and rivalries and diffusing family tensions. Today, we're looking at strengthening sibling bonds and family practices. Hello, Rachel. This sounds like a, a really good way of rounding off the previous podcast. Yeah. Hi, David. Good to be here again. And I think so. For me, this is um, just like the fun stuff on top. The last four podcasts have been about all the hard work and this is the fun stuff. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy chatting with you on this. Well, terrific. Uh, look, as a family, how important is the nurturing element in every family? Oh, it's so important. It's it's like the part of life that makes our family unique, makes our family feel special. And everything we're going to talk about today is a bit like a pick and mix box of ideas that you can use to build kind of nurture into your family and, and really build those sibling friendships. And just a reminder to all your listeners that I do have a free workbook and guide that accompanies the whole series. So all the ideas we covered today, you can you can get in that workbook, which you can either find in the show notes or on my website, rachelscofield.com forward slash siblings. So I've saved all of these ideas till last because in the, on their own, they don't, they don't really address the core stuff around why siblings have tension. They don't kind of deal with what's going on emotionally. And right. all of that we've, we've covered in the first four sessions. But these family traditions and practices um, are just beautiful things to weave into your family life, or at least just weave in the ones you like the sound of. It's not going to cure background tension and squabbling between kids, but it will be part of deepening a bond, deepening the bonds between your kids. Um, and kids love to nurture each other. So even just, you know, let's just think about that nurture bit to begin with. We can, we can really encourage that. We can really make places for our kids to look after each other. And it can just be simple things like if they're making a snack, they could make one for their sibling or they can help out by, you know, picking up a bag for them when they're leaving for school and bringing a Band-Aid when they've got hurt. Like it can just be small things and, and little prompts from us can make that stuff happen. Okay, no, that sounds great. Who, who came up with that song from Small Things Little Big Things Grow? Oh, yes. So it sounds like that, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Now, Rachel, in terms of bonding, um, you talk about family hugs, team hugs. Uh, I like that idea. Any particular examples of when hugs could be beneficial? It's probably sounds like a silly question, but uh, I'm sure you can expand upon this. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it's a really simple thing, but it's just back to the the kind of basic thing that physical contact so important between family members and between siblings. Like it helps us feel close and connected. It can soothe us if we're feeling a bit stressed. And so you can, and you know, not so some people have. Their family of origin was very kind of cuddly, touchy family. And so this does, doesn't even need thinking about. It's a no-brainer. But yeah. other people come from families where that, that wasn't what happened. There wasn't much physical touch. And you can, you can just, 
if you would like your family to be like that, you can absolutely build it in. And there's there's so much good. You can just do it at a time when everything's going pear-shaped and it's like, let's just all have a big hug. Like that can just in itself like change the tension. Um, or it can be just like a proactive thing. You can, you know, And in terms of like building sibling bonds, it can be stuff like, oh, could you help me give your sister a cuddle? I can only reach this one cheek. Can you get the other <laughs> one and kind of come in together? Um, and in our family, we I don't even know how this came about, but we sort of sometimes have team hugs. It's just like team hug and everyone gets together and my youngest likes to squeeze right into the middle of everyone. So he's got everyone around him giving him a big cuddle. So just a really sweet, lovely thing to do. And children love that. When you, you see them, the, the smiles on their faces, they really love that whole idea of a team hug. Yeah. Oh, they do. It, it really, I, like, I don't know what it does, but it's something around we're all together, we're all connected, we're all close. It just feels really safe and good. Yeah. No, no, that sounds like a, a wonderful thing. And you see it with footballers these days. I mean, when I was growing up, you very rarely saw men hug, which was a bit sad, really, but it, it's much more commonplace now. And I think it's, it's only a good thing. That's so true. Yeah. Now, I imagine um, enjoying shared accomplishment, accomplishments, if I can say that word, would also help the bonding process. Uh, is that a truism? Oh, definitely, definitely. Like, so children are like naturally proud of their siblings. Like their sibling achieving something or, or reaching a milestone is almost as good as them having done it themselves. Um, so it, it can be a wonderful way. Like if we, we make a thing of it, if we make it something that we celebrate together, it can really help build connection and help people feel, you know, help, kids feel pleased with their siblings like it just and it builds that whole sense of being a family together and it can just be the smallest things it could be like you know kids lost their tooth like let's go and let's go and show your brother that you lost your tooth let's go and share this moment like this milestone and of course sometimes um sibling success can bring up big feelings it can bring up big feelings of like that's not fair mm -hmm. they they always whatever like they always yeah. win they always and that's okay too and, and everything we talked about in our first four podcasts really addresses what to do when that happens but don't let it put you off if that happens in your family if you've got a kid that finds it hard to be pleased with their sibling's success don't let that put you off still celebrating go back to the other four podcasts so they'll help you deal with it um but do share accomplishments it's so good yeah i mean it gets back to that sort of a family unit uh we're all in it together. It's not just about individuals, you know, and if one succeeds, then uh, it's success for everyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, Rachel, um, spending quality time uh, together as a family is obviously important, especially when the children are young. Is that something really that should start when the children are really young? It, I, I think it's a lifelong thing. Like, but there is nothing, there's no substitute for spending time together. In fact, the World Health I health organization says that the greatest gift that you can give your child is time spending time with them and um, and i'd even encourage parents of teenagers to really think about this because we can tend to pull back there's something that happens when we have older kids and, and even if your kids have left home like it's still worth thinking about spending time together um and in terms of building sibling bonds what can be helpful is to try and think about activities or things that they can do together where they're genuinely enjoying what they're doing. Like no matter what the age gap is, there is always something you can find that kids of every age can enjoy together. Sure. And it could 
you know, it can be kind of simple stuff like playing with Lego or going for a swim and going down the beach together. The beach can kind of cross all ages, bike riding, painting, or, you know, kind of just doing stuff like digging a dig hole in the sand, like something they're kind of sharing the sense of achievement of like doing this big hole in the sand together. Or my kids, when they were a bit longer, younger, used to um, love spying on adults. And it was this <laughs> kind of <laughs> go off and spy on whatever. Um, and then it can be sweet things. Like if you've got a, a, a kid that's older and, you know, and a younger child, like the older sibling reading stories to their younger younger sibling. But it's this joint thing. And, and it can be stuff that you're involved in, or it might be things that they do by themselves that gives them this real special kind of time together. Um, and so if your kids, you know, at the moment you feel like they haven't got anything in common, it's, it's really worth just exploring like what, what things could they do together because it's a, just a great way of building bonds. It's a really natural thing to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we know that uh, children are very different. And I mean, my brother and I were only 18 months apart, but we're quite different and have have different interests and we uh, had different interests growing up. So it can mm. be a, a interesting for parents trying to find those commonalities and uh, to, to strengthen the bonds, if you like. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, and, and like the opposite of your situation where kids have shared interests, it, it can carry them through to adulthood too, that they have this thing they share. Yeah. yeah. No, that's right. And it is vitally important. So we've talked about uh, you know, the importance of being together and group hugs and all that sort of thing. But what about time apart? Is it necessary or even desirable to have time away from one another? Yep. Just as important. Just as important as time together is time apart. And there's so much in it. It's So one part of this is if kids spend a lot, siblings are spending a lot of time together, they're they can have sort of slightly merged identities. Like they can kind of feel, you know, their sense of safety is because their siblings are always around. And it's really important for them to feel who they are on their own separate from siblings. It gives them a really important sense of individuality, of feeling confident and comfortable making decisions by themselves rather than sort of always checking in with their sibling. Um, and, 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 Kids need to fit that sense of individuality is so important. A bit like, you know, you and your brother had really different interests. Sometimes when kids are close in age, it's so important to have that sort of separateness like this. I, I do this and my sibling does something else just so you can feel who you are as a person. Sure, sure. No, that's right. And, you know, it's, it's in any family, and there were six in our family, and we're all very different. It's funny, we came from the same parents, but we're all just incredibly different. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. Yeah, totally. And it, it's so common. Like anyone with more than one child would just say they are so different. Like it's yep. Yeah, the way it is. Uh, yeah. Rachel, do you believe family meetings are a good idea? And and how often should family meetings be held? I certainly didn't. We didn't have family meetings growing up. But the more I think about it, it probably wouldn't have been a bad idea. Yeah, right. So this is kind of one of those common modern parenting things that's out there about, you know, have family meetings. And I think it's a great idea. I, um, the key is really finding how it can work for you and your family. So I really don't think there's any right or wrong way. I don't think there's any prescribed how often you should do it. Um, but what the, the kind of basic idea is that you're coming together and it's a chance for the kids and the adults to talk about issues in the family or family life or it, it could just be information sharing like we're planning a holiday this is what we're thinking of doing or 
this is what we are doing. Or it could be more about asking for their opinions, like, you know, what do you think? Where, you know, we're thinking of these two places of going on holiday. Where would you like to go? Like getting their opinions. Or it might be that you want to raise an issue. Maybe there's something going on that's not working that well in the house. Um, and you want to bring it up and talk about it. And you can do this even from when kids are really little. You just need to make it age appropriate. Make sure it doesn't go on too long. <laughs> Keep it pretty <laughs> succinct. Yeah. And they can be, and how you do it, it can be from, you know, everyone sat around the dinner table and it being a more sort of formal discussion to, and, and it being a sort of regular Saturday night thing that you do through to just it's impromptu and everyone just piles on the sofa together. Like how you set it up can fit the culture of your family. I think it's really good to give it some sort of name so people know like it can be family meeting or in our family we have a powwow because it's just a really good word. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's like it we're going to have a powwow <laughs> yeah. and my kids just love the idea of that. Um, and, you know, and so it's up to you to create it. But really it's like this chance of empowering kids, helping fill the give them the chance to have a say in things if they want, or even just making sure that information's getting sh shared really clearly. Um, and, you know, you go with, you fly with it however you want. I've done things sometimes like giving my kids little questionnaires, like really simple things. And I found that um, really good because they kind of wrote things down that I don't think they would have said to me if I'd have just asked it as a question. And, yeah. you know, they got a bit cheeky and kind of wrote cheeky things, but it opens stuff up for conversations that you can kind of talk about. Yeah, but really the idea is finding ways for your kids to contribute and share ideas. And that's a very good thing. And it's all about communication too, which we've talked about in all our podcasts, how important uh, communication is and getting children to uh, talk and open up from an early age can only be a good thing. Definitely, yeah. Now, Rachel, you suggest parents shouldn't compare their children as they're all different, as we know, with different qualities and skills. I imagine this wouldn't always be easy to do, though, not comparing your children. Yeah, I, I mean, it's something we naturally do. We, we naturally do, and we naturally do it often with a kind of sense of worry of like kind of there's often a little bit of a background worry about like, this kid isn't as good as the other kid at something. Um, it's good we keep those worries to ourselves and kind of go and work on that ourselves rather than voice it to our kids and you, you know you're absolutely right like kids have different aptitudes that naturally different from each other find some things easier and some things harder and that's totally fine and we can definitely celebrate the things that our kids are good at and that's really different from kind of comparing them in a negative way so we can you know totally appreciate like wow you're so fast and strong and the other kid wow you're so amazing at reading like that's mm -hmm. totally fine. We're just celebrating strengths. But what I'm really sort of thinking about here is avoiding saying things like, you know, your sister is so much better at than you are, or um, why can't you do X, Y, or Z like your brother? Like kind of that sort of negative, negative way of comparing our kids. And the reason I flagged this up is at some you know, at some level it's obvious, but it's something that a lot of parents that I talk to when they talk to me about their childhoods, that happened. And when something's happened in our childhood, we tend to we tend to sort of bring we it comes out in our parenting again. We don't want it to, but it comes out. And so it's just a good one to check. Is this a habit I've slipped into because it happened to me? 
And if it happened to you, chances are you know how much it hurts to get compared negatively to your sibling. Yeah, and that's right. And it, sometimes parents do it without even thinking. It's just one of those things. And, uh, you know, you, you want to try and remain positive with all your children. But, uh, we, you know, we are human and sometimes you do make that mistake. But it's certainly not something you'd want to do regularly, I imagine. No, no. And, and if you're doing it, it's like it's just something to notice and like think maybe you could try and figure out another way of doing it. It's not the end of the world that it's happened. It's, it's you know, we can always repair things and fix things up with kids. Um, so, yeah, we're all human. <laughs> That's well, totally we are. Fine. Yeah, yep. I mean, I mean, I, I was hopeless at maths and my sister was brilliant at maths and there you go. And I, I had that sort of feeling growing up that uh, there was something wrong because I wasn't good at maths, but I was very uh. good at English. So I had that skill but maths honestly when they talk about pythagoras squared and all sorts of things it totally lost me wow wow yep and also i didn't have an interest so there you go (laughs) that can be half of it oh exactly right uh rachel you'd also talk about the need for parents not to lock their kids into into a particular role what do you mean by that specifically yeah so kind of this sort of flows on a bit so yeah kids have different characteristics and if we're not careful we can kind of lock them into being a certain kind of person because, you know, something that they often do and then we kind of expect it of them and then they're sort of locked into this role. And again, if you talk to adults, um, a lot of us have a feeling if we have this certain role in our family and it may not be a role that we're comfortable with and it can be hard within your, your extended family with your relatives to change the way that you're, you're seen. And so it's really good practice just to catch yourself, like, am I doing this? Just a thing to think about. Am I doing this? Do I kind of pigeonhole my kids into certain roles Um, and and if you sort of notice that you do then you can just challenge yourself to catch your kid doing the thing that's opposite of the thing that you assume they do so I'll give you an example because that was a little bit wordy (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um all right so for example maybe you've got a kid that when they get lollies they share them really easily like they just share them with their siblings they give one to you and and that's what they do they're really generous um, and but you've got another kid that doesn't. They whenever they get their lollies, they keep them all to themselves. They don't share any of them, and they're just really kind of tied around their lollies. And so we have this background narrative that that kid doesn't share. That kid's really tight and sort of ungenerous, and they don't share them. Um, and so the challenge would be like just notice when actually they're doing the opposite. Actually, they are sharing a lolly, or they are sharing something else, and then. You might even, you could even verbalize it, not in a sort of, you have to be really careful how you do this. You don't want it in a judgmental tone. You don't even want it in a, and I want you to see doing more of that tone, just in a a really sort of nice, oh, that brought a smile to my face when you gave Lily a lolly, like just because it's about you and how you felt like, and it's just a genuine appreciation. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, And it's all about a, appreciation and treating them all equally if at all possible you don't want to have favorites in families that's for sure mm. no and and if you do you need to kind of work on that like kind of think about yeah. it and notice because it, it's natural if you've got a kid who's really challenging and you've got a kid who's really easy it's so much easier to connect and enjoy the easy kid and 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 so you can end up kind of knowing that you've got a child who feels more favorite than the other um but deep down you love them both or all of them equally yeah absolutely and that's the way it should be 
Uh, Rachel, parents hope that their children will grow up being good friends and uh, indeed maintain a strong friendship well into adulthood. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way, though, as we know. What can parents do to assist the process for good sibling relationships? Yep. So I, I to answer this, it's really like what we've covered in the previous four um, podcasts. So I really encourage anyone that's listening to this one to go back and listen to the previous four in the sibling se um, series because it really answers that question in depth. But just I would think my top tip would be to really hold the expectation and and your dream that they're going to be good friends because they absolutely can be. And if you just hold on to that and if you find yourself thinking, oh, it's, there's just no way, they're just no way they're ever going to get on, that in itself is going to stop you being able to figure out ways of helping them get along. So really hold the expectation they're going to be. Go back and listen to all the other podcasts. Um, and and if you're holding, you like also sort of notice the times that they do get along. So like there will be times, even in the most fraught of sibling relationships, there will be times that they get along. So notice when they are good friends and make course corrections when they're not. Like kind of that, it'll motivate you to make changes to how things are getting along if you hold dream that they're going to be good friends. Yeah, and, and I mean that's a good point, and they might. You know, you've got two brothers who might enjoy swimming. They might not enjoy anything else together, but if they enjoy swimming, then perhaps uh, uh, program in each week a swimming session somewhere at a local pool or whatever. That would be such a great thing to do, yeah. Yeah, definitely. so there are ways, and you're right, parents just need to be cognizant of what where there are similarities and what their likes are, and you can work on that. It's not something, and I'm a parent too, it's not something you always think about when the children are young, but it is a very good point you make. Yeah, and, and even that just standing back and thinking about what you can do. Like often we're so, as parents, we're so busy, we all have more to do than we can possibly get done that even just finding space to stand back and think, how can I make it go better can be hard. But when we do it, what we get from it and what our kids get from it is, is so much, like so much for the family. Yeah, no, exactly right. Now, Rachel, uh, some of the main points from uh, today's podcast that you'd like to reiterate? Yeah, okay. So I, I think for me, like this thinking about traditions and practices that you can build into your family is really like the fun, you know, it's the fun of family. It's um, building really good memories. And it's also like the icing on the cake. Like the, these ideas aren't in themselves going to ensure good sibling bonds, but they're just a wonderful addition to all the emotional work that we've talked about in the previous episodes. And just go and enjoy them, like go and pick things that feel fun to you. And also remember that you can grab a copy of my workbook and guide that accompanies the series if you'd like to have a way of diving into this further. No, that, that's wonderful. And uh, we would hope in a, in a perfect world that siblings would all get on everywhere, but it's not always the case. But uh, you provided some very good tips to, to help parents anyway, that uh, things that they might be able to do that they haven't thought of to uh, encourage their siblings, especially if they're not getting on. Yeah, absolutely. Like kind of don't, if, if that's the situation you're in, like it's, you can turn this around. It's a long range project. It's going to take, you know, three months plus before you start seeing some changes, but you can turn it around. You can definitely help your kids get along better. Yeah. And the other point I get from you today is that, uh, parents shouldn't give up if they you know they, they might be struggling and their, their children might be fighting but there are solutions and there are ways around things yeah 
Yep. And, and the last message I'd love to send to parents as well is that if it, that is your situation, if your kids are really struggling to get along, if you're struggling to help them, they are still good kids. They are still good kids and you're a good parent and it's not your fault that it's hard and we, yeah, it can get turned around. Yep, absolutely right. You've got to remain positive. That's a, a very good way to end the podcast, I think. Rachel, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure again. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs>